Oh, hello, everybody. I'm Dell Shores. And I'm Emerson Collins, and you're watching The Dell and Emerson Show. Straight talk. Real gay. Happy Friday. Hello, everyone. Hi, Dell Shores. Hello. How are you? How are you? I'm doing just fine. How are you? Uh, fine enough. Uh, <laughs> hey, everybody. Thank you for being here. Whether you're watching us on the YouTube or on Facebook or on Periscope on Twitter, y'all, I have exciting news. What? So next Friday is our 100th episode since the pandemic started. What? I got to be in my bonnet. You know, people keep saying, is it a podcast? Well, no, it's not because you can't listen to it where you listen to podcasts. And I thought, fine, I guess we've been doing this for a while. So this week I have made it possible. Y'all. If you can't see the show live or you get busy or you want to catch them another time, you can now listen to us on Spotify, on Amazon Music. It's on iTunes. It should be searchable in like 24 hours. I'm working on Google. You can walk over to your Echo now and say, hey, Alexa, play the Dell and Emerson show. And she will. Oh, my God. We're all over like horse shit. <laughs> now my Alexa's talking to me. Alexa, stop. Like we're, do, we're doing the show here and she's going to be playing Tuesday's episode in the background. Um, it's also funny because part of it was like, you got to catch us live because we do this for the engagement with you all that comment live with us. But we've done basically a hundred. I figured if other people want to listen at the gym, in the car, on a run, wherever you are. Right. We're expanding our audience for our Four faithful listeners are we we are we are widening. We are widening out. We um, are branching. Here's, here's the deal though. You can only see us here. That's right. You get the live experience, comments, and all only here live. Uh, I just put the Apple podcast link in the chat room. If you do watch, if you go subscribe over there, please leave a review if you have a positive things to say. If you don't, you don't need to comment. That's yeah, fine. just shut the fuck up. If you don't have anything nice to say, just shut the fuck up. Uh, um, oh, and you had a message. We have a message. Oh, I do have, well, I, well first of all, I just want y'all to know that there is a criminal running around my somewhere out there. And so if y'all hear these helicopters, it's not me. The big message, though, is I want to say happy birthday to Jiggs Burgess, who is our dear friend and uh, uh, listens to this show every week. And he's in my writing uh, class and he's an amazing artist. And he said something in our class the other day. He said, on my birthday, for my birthday, I want y'all to do something kind for someone else and preferably a stranger. And I took that to heart and I did something today and I want to pass that on. Happy birthday, Jigs. And to all of you, y'all do some random act of kindness for Jigs. It's I a, love that. Yeah, it's Happy called birthday, Jigs. Jigs. He calls Jigs it Jigsmas. Yeah, his Jigs birthday is Jigsmas. Jigs, full disclosure, it may take me a couple of weeks to encounter a stranger. Um, <laughs> Oh, it doesn't have to be today. We're going to make right. okay, we'll, we'll make Jigs, our changing the rules. <laughs> Jigsmas, I will report back once I finally see a stranger again, because, you know, that May 1st vaccine date uh, for the rest of us, for, for us unimportant, unessentials, underagers, uh, is still a ways off. Uh, probably getting outside, but even when I go on my hikes and things, it's like no people. So, Jigs, that is a wonderful inspiration. We love that you join us. I just saw his message. I thought, oh my God, what if we did this and he's not here? Uh, anyway, he just, yeah. He sent us a big old 
tip for his birthday. And Leanne already did oh, today too. Stop it, Jigs. There's also, go to my Instagram and follow me while you're there. Uh, there's a fun, fun video at the end of my rambling today from Beverly D'Angelo to Jigs that I love. So let's continue with this discussion. We got a big right. discussion here. Yes. Uh, what we do here is the LGBTQ news and nonsense. And within that, it's really important to us that we continue being a part of the conversations for other marginalized uh, communities and minority communities in our country. So obviously, uh, we have all seen this week the horrifying uh, terrorism, domestic terrorism incident from that white guy in Atlanta who went into three different spas and murdered eight people, six of them Asian American women, a white man and a white woman. Um, and this comes on top of what has been a significant increase in the last year of violence, of racist incidents against Asian Americans. I'm sure you've seen the article by now that 3,800 racist incidents reported against Asian Americans, two out of three of those against women, attacks on the elderly that have been going on for several months, a 74-year-old grandfather that was attacked, a 91-year-old man shoved to the ground, even just Wednesday, uh, a 70-year-old Asian woman who was assaulted. There was video of that. So the racism in our country, we spent a lot of time last year talking about racism against Black people and the anti-racist conversation. And we are remiss probably often in our culture of discussing other kinds of racism because of the model minority myth problem associated with Asians, you know, that they're seen as being more successful. One of the, quote, good uh, minorities that create a whole other host of problems. Yeah, it's just tragic. This, this whole thing that happened, I and and, and then the the justification by that sheriff, I just like was so so apparent. And you know, it, it's it's heartbreaking to me that we reside with these kind of people. It, it, that, that we share this planet. I don't know how you can have such hate in your heart. I just don't understand it. I really do not. Well, and to look at the things that contribute, right? You know, there was that, the stuff about his religion, that he said he went to do this because of his sex addiction. And I think people that didn't grow up in super conservative church communities, that means something different to right. you know, many religious communities. Sex addiction is literally like masturbation, any impure thoughts. Like, what is taught about sexuality is so warped and that he held these Asian women responsible for this, that the, uh, that the police there, that they said he just had a bad day. When we look about how white supremacy in intersex racism and then intersect, intersects uh, the hypersexualization of Asian women and the opposing the desexualization of Asian men, like the, the experience that Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders experience is a fundamentally different kind of racism within our culture. Yeah, and I, I have to say a couple of things about the response to this, because I, I think it's been astounding. Uh, first of all, I just want to applaud people like Margaret Cho and Lucy Liu and Christy Yamaguchi, who are going public and really denouncing and, and, and telling their stories, how they've actually experienced it in their lives. And there's so many more. Those are just three that came to mind right now. But I also have to say that it was kind of wonderful how 
our, our president and vice president stepped up and, and the, it's so different than the former administration. So um, that's, yeah. the, that's the positive that has come out that there's awareness, but we must continue to help with that. Well, and that they both flew down there. I watched part of the press conference earlier uh, the, to meet with community leaders there. We put two links in the below the scroll today. There's a big GoFundMe campaign that has several million dollars towards it, support AAPI Community Fund, uh, that they have said they are working with AAPI leaders to where those funds will be distributed if you want to donate there. And then Advancing Justice Atlanta is on the ground in Atlanta, the Asian American community working there. So those are two great places uh, to support. But it also requires an examination of how we engage in overt racism, but also microaggressions. You know, the jokes about uh, Asian massage parlors, the jokes about Asian men and being desexualized. We think about how those tropes, uh, what they contribute to. When you're talking about there's 45, 40, 48 Asian nations that all get lumped together um, and the broad diversity within Southern Asian and East Asian countries um, and how they are treated and specifically within our own community, right? If what we focus here is the LGBTQ community, the desexualization of Asian men, the mockery, um, and think about the ways that small jokes that we make contribute to an environment that contributes to people being comfortable attacking, uh, the expectation of submission, the stereotypes related to Asian women that could lead to this man targeting them. Uh, Rockham Sakura's drag queen, RuPaul's Drag Race last season, you know, he, she was out sort of earlier, did a long thread on Twitter and, and can, sharing for the first time uh, that he did sex work to support it doing his drag before he made it onto Drag Race. He's never talked about it. He didn't want to talk about it under his drag name uh, because of fear of rejection of that, for, of the negative associations with that. Um, and sharing that because people were talking about how these are likely uh, sex worker massage parlors. And right. that is not an excuse. That's not a, you know, it's not a dismissal, um, but humanizing those people as well. And that was an incredibly uh, brave share to stand up on behalf of sex workers in the AAPI community and really think about, I definitely have in my life in the past, not thinking, made a joke that would feed into one of these stereotypes and really considering how we contribute. Uh, so I was just thinking, you know, I, 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 cause you think, Oh, I'm absolved for all from all of this. But if I look at some of my stand up, of course I've, I've thrown out. I mean, I, there's a lot of, I've done in my stand up that I probably would do differently now. And uh, as, as we, we continue to evolve and as we continue to listen and grow. So, yeah. Um, and and the thing to really take in this moment is this incident this week was really big. It's broken the national conscious. But for months, I've watched Asian American comedians doing awareness shows and fundraisers. This past year, for many in the AAPI community, has been filled with terror. Talking about the Kung flu, the Chinese, the China virus, the way you contribute to small-minded bigotry and people lash out at any random Asian person. Our AAPI friends and family have been in fear this whole year. And it should be incumbent upon all of us to sort of realize that we have not probably engaged in that 
in supporting them in that as much as we should have. And it shouldn't have taken an incident this large to bring it to the conversation. Think about how many shows we did about black people last year. And I have to be honest and think we didn't talk a lot about that except early on when people were making the racist jokes. So we can do something, um, support these organizations, think about the ways we can actively contribute. Yeah, thanks for that, Emerson. You did a lot of research on that. and. Um, I appreciate well, it. I've, I've just, it's been so disturbing to me all week long as it's been uh, forefront in the news, which it should be. And, uh, and not to like, not to make this about me. Uh, I, we haven't talked about it in a while, but I went to high school in Singapore. I moved to Asia when I was 16. It definitely changed my suburban Texas perspective on the diversity and variety of Asian cultures and communities and people. And I had to unlearn things at 16 that I would, that I didn't really know. There was just sort of the way I was. And so there are many, many Asian people in my life since that time period. Um, and I was learning then what I think some people are learning now. We, we say we're not trying to be perfect, but we can all work to do better. You know, it, it, I was just thinking of something that that also that you, you, know, you, you as you're going through, you know, these apps and you're on your, your own grinder and your own scroff and it says, you know, no blacks, no Asians or whatever, just don't say it. Just like, you know, if someone responds to you that you're not attracted to, do it like anybody else you're not attracted to. I don't, I don't think that that is a good thing. That's well, and also I feel like we've said before, if you can take an entire group of people and flatten all the diversity within that group of people in order to make a blanket statement like that, it is racism you need to examine. It, you know, it, it says a whole fucking lot about you. The, Sorry. It does. If, if if you think that all of a group of people, you can dismiss anything based on a single characteristic, that is based in, at the very least, implicit bias, unconscious bias, but it's really centered in a racism you probably learned. And gotcha. think of now as a preference. Mm -hmm. um, so. All right. So, but think, and so, but the A people in your life, check on them. Not that weird. Don't do that thing where it's like, this somebody I haven't talked to in a dozen years, that... <laughs> is weird and too much. Um, but be aware that this is incredibly hard and difficult and, and so support them how we can. Yes. All right, into go our their Instagram. Just go to their Instagram and, and, and give them some love and a comment. That's that's easy. Yeah. So all right, go ahead, Emerson. Sorry. Just and getting into our news, good news out of Japan actually this week. A Japanese court ruled that the country's ban on same-sex marriage is unconstitutional ruled that sexual orientation like race is not a matter of individual preference and therefore denying same-sex couples the same benefits as straight couples is unconstitutional. That doesn't mean they can start doing marriages immediately. The J Japan's national diet would have to pass a law to formally legalize marriage. But a step. Absolutely. And also we have uh, the Senate Judiciary Committee heard testimony this week on the Equality Act, including from 16-year-old Stella Keaton, a trans high school student. Yo, I just love it when we hear from our youth and they speak so eloquently and, and, and beautifully. And, and, um, and Stella said, I am 16 years old and I live in a state, uh, I still live in the state of Washington. I am a sophomore in high school and I just got my driver's license, which was a great day. Then she started sharing her experience and she said, right now I live in a state where I have equal protection under the law. As a high school sophomore, I'm starting to look at colleges. 
And all I can think about is this, less than half of the states in our country provide equal protection for me under the law. What happens if I want to attend a in a college in a state that doesn't protect me? Right now, I could be denied medical care or be evicted for simply being transgender in many states. How is that even right? How is that even American? And then, of course, Lindsey fucking Graham weighs in and says, I would talk until I fell over to make sure that the Equality Act doesn't become law, destroying the difference between man and woman, women. And uh, he said that on the, of course, the Sean fucking Hannity show. It's, I think about Stella testifying before Congress. That would terrify me today. Yes. Years old, just going to high school, just thinking, I just want to go to college and go to a school where I can study where I want. And adding on to that, the weight of having to consider, is it a state where she's protected, where her rights and her health care and her opportunities are equal? And then standing before the Senate on behalf of all other people uh, in the LGBTQ community. And, and what was so brilliant about what she did was she broke it down to something very simple. Just, yeah. I have to, it's, it's not about, you know, a sorority. It's not about whatever, fill in the blank of what you want, a, you know, a dramatics arts program. No, I have to go to, does this state include me? Yeah. Not where can I get in like the rest of I was, was worried about. Where will I be safe? Where will I be protected if I need to go to a hospital, to a doctor? Um, and then Lindsay, like the, it's fascinating, willing to state bigotry that strongly, right? I will talk until I fell over to make sure the Equality Act doesn't become law. Well, you know what I wanna say, please do. Please do talk. Talk until he falls over. Fucking fall over, Lindsey Graham. You are so I mean, useless. I do wish they would go back to the olden timey days where when you wanted to filibuster, you had to do it. You had to get out there and stand forever. Cause now if you're one of filibuster, I think they basically just send an email saying I object. Um, and so it doesn't happen because they know a filibuster would happen and they don't waste the time. No, nope, nope. You're going to stand in the face of equality. You ought to have to stand there. And that depends. Can you no, imagine poor old Chuck Grassley having to stand and, and, and perform a filibuster? Um, even Feinstein, I mean, it's, you know, getting to be uh, almost 90, it's going to be hard. Yeah. But they're just sitting over on Sean Hannity saying, yes, I am proudly a bigot. I hope I see Lindsey Graham in person sometimes go, bigot! I really <laughs> thought you were about to say. I want to go viral screaming bigot at Lindsey Graham at some airport. Just I really thought you were going to say, I hope I get to see Lindsey Graham in hell. <laughs> well, we, that's a good shot. I mean, I hope there's a different room. I was about to him. say, when he's on the escalator on the way down past you, please, to a lower level. Could there please just be a gay section and then, oh, no, what, you know, just put us somewhere fine. I know. As, here's, yeah, I know. I want to end up in the section that's just about Palm Springs in July. You know, I can handle that. <laughs> just don't get it over. Like, you know, the gays, they weren't that bad. Let's just, about 121. 121. Yeah, 121. Because, uh -huh. you know, we will stand, we will figure out how to mist on a patio and, you know, have uh -huh. cocktails. 
Like I can, I, I can handle it that much. Yeah. Point reminded. Yes. Just yell sugar bridges. Yeah. That's what I do. I'm sugar bridges. Uh, sugar bridges, Graham. Um, Stop. Danielle says, I actually dreamt I saw him last night and screamed, you suck at him. Yeah. Listen, when this pandemic's over, Let's go on a road trip, you and me, and we go find Lindsey Graham. That is our that is our goal to scream, "You suck!" And I'll say, and you, then I'll say, "Sugar britches, Graham, you suck." Sugar britches, Graham. We'll start a chant in an airport. Now I can just see this road trip movie of you and Danielle in a Winnebago chasing Lindsey Graham around the eastern, the southern east coast. We'll get Jigs to come with us. He, he's, uh -huh. got a good, he's got a good yelling voice too. You you need a, that third person in the center in the back. Um, all right. And in uh, celebratory news, you know, we talked back in December uh, when Elliot Page came out as trans and shared that story. And he has done his first long form interview to appear on the cover of Time magazine, the first trans man to do so. He tweeted out the cover and said, with deep respect for those who came before me, gratitude for those who have supported me and great concern for the generation of trans youth we must all protect. Please join me and decry anti-trans legislation, hate and discrimination in all its forms. In the interview, uh, he shared you know, about how he felt as a kid and then he said there are pervasive stereotypes about masculinity and femininity that define how we're all supposed to act, dress and speak and they serve no one. And he also shared that in the pandemic, truly having that time uh, to be still, he read P. Carl's book, Becoming a Man, and said, I had a lot of time on my own to really focus on things that I think, in so many ways, unconsciously, I was avoiding. I was finally able to embrace being transgender and letting myself fully become who mm -hmm. I am. And I'm sure we've, you've seen, we've talked about, he's using the platform he has, speaking out against the anti-trans legislation across the country and said, my privilege has allowed me to have resources to get through and to be where I am today. And of course, I want to use that privilege and platform to help in the ways I can. So I love the picture. That picture yeah. is just gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, so awesome. Well, congratulations, Elliot Page, on everything. Uh, and in other in more more trans news, there's an incredible video going around of Brandon uh, Bulware, a lawyer, Christian, and son of Methodist minister, speaking in Missouri against an anti-trans bill. I saw this on uh, Alyssa Milano's uh, Twitter feed, and it just touched my heart so much. He describes the process of wanting his trans daughter to wear boy clothes, have a short haircut, and refuse to let her play with girl toys. Then he said, I had a child that did not smile. My child was miserable. I cannot overstate that. She was absolutely miserable, especially at school. No confidence, no friends, no laughter. And here was the big epiphany. Finally, uh, the realization happened when he came to to his daughter and, and found her in his, uh, her sister's clothes. When he said she couldn't go out and play with the neighborhood kids, she asked if she could, if she changed into boy clothes. He said, it's then that it hit me. My daughter was equating being good with being someone else. I was teaching her to deny who she is. As a parent, the one thing we cannot do is silence our child's spirit. And so on that day, my wife and I stopped silencing our child's spirit. 
I now have a confident, a smiling, a happy daughter. She has friendships. She's a kid. He asked lawmakers to reject the bill saying it would have real effects on real people. Let them have their childhoods. Let them be who they are. Wow. It's just, just, I mean, that is a speech. That was, a, a, if you haven't seen it, please just Google Brandon B O U L W A R E and watch him say what I, a lot of, and more. I, it's, it was so amazing. And I, you know, it goes to that personalization thing that we've talked about how it changes people's minds. But he did something that I love that I feel like we can all do. When we talk about where we have done wrong and what we learned from what we did wrong, it goes to all these conversations, right? Racism, misogyny, transphobia, homophobia. We share what we have learned, what we did wrong, what we learned from it. Other people can learn from it and not make the same mistake. I found that such a lesson to remind myself, you know, us being honest about the times we have not done the right thing, not said the right thing so that someone else doesn't make that same mistake and being willing to use what they as parents did wrong for a long time with her before they understood. Yeah. I feel like that speaks would speak to so many people and so many parents because that sim the simplicity of saying I had a child who did not smile and, and and what that means and says about her experience and then the joy that she has now in being who she is and the support that she has. I think people get lost in these what if conversations and fear mongering about trans people because they don't know one. They haven't seen it in person. They haven't had a personal connection because it's a small percentage of our population. But, but hearing that from someone with a direct connection, I think can change hearts and minds from this religious conservative family. Right. It was, uh, yeah. And just that one moment that, that hit him so hard where the realization, I just love that, that he, and, and, and you have to, you know, that you have to be a, a receptive person though. Yes. Just be that closed minded, awful human that, that disowns your kid. And, you know, there's so many of, there's so many of those. So that just, just what a, a beautiful story. So, Anyway, I loved it. Thanks for thanks for um, giving me that one. Emerson. Well, those parent ones always sit well for you. I As know. I was reading it this morning. I'd already seen it and gotten choked up uh, when I I retweeted Alyssa, and I, I was just so touched by it. And then this morning, I read it again, and I always kind of read out loud so that I'll you know have some decent uh, performance. <laughs> And I just started crying in my living room. Um, you were not alone. Rob said I cried when I watched. Judy said I saw that video. I loved it. Oh, it was so beautiful. Um, all right. Well, this next one, I just thought was uh, a sweet, fun thing out of, you know, a scary thing. We've talked a great deal about the out governor, Jared Polis in Colorado. In December, his boyfriend of 17 years, actor, uh, not actor, excuse me, animal rights activist, Marlon Race, had COVID. He had been sick for a week and had to go to the hospital. Marlon remembers the story saying, I was getting my things ready. My daughter was crying in the corner. She didn't want me to go. My son was asking me a lot of technical questions. When are you coming back? Do they know exactly what's wrong? It was a very tense moment. He said he was irked 
at the governor for urging him to hurry up. And then the governor asked him to marry him. He says it was the absolute perfect time. I said to him, I couldn't breathe before. Now I really can't breathe. I mean, you're in the middle of needing to go to the hospital with COVID breathing problems and still have the ability uh, to make a joke at a man you've been with for 17 years who just asked you to marry him. He did say yes. Their six-year-old daughter, Cora, was immediately excited at the idea of being the flower girl. Flower girl. And their nine-year-old son, Caspian, said, I really don't like your engagement ring. <laughs> I just love that that's the nine-year-old thought. Like, you did not do well with the ring. Um, he did go to the hospital. He said, when I got to the hospital, I wasn't scared anymore. I said, I have a great relationship, a great family that I'm going to be coming home to after this. He was released two days later. So they will have that to look forward to. I just love the honesty of children, though. I mean, this is this. It reminded me of recently. My daughter Caroline picked out her wedding dress, and it was kind of low cut, and she had she was trying it on, and it wasn't fit for her yet. And she showed it to this uh, kid. I think he's nine years old, Avery. That that she uh, she's a caretaker for it. He said, "I give it a." I'm going to give it a nine because it's too low. But I, but I, if it were a little higher, I'd give it a 10. <laughs> and so she explained to him, it's going to be higher. They're going to, he goes, okay, it's a 10. Uh, that's, yep. I mean, that's going to say, if you don't ask, if you don't want to know. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Get the uncensored truth. But I thought it was sweet. And they've been together for 17 years and it was oh, that much. And that, but in that scary moment of, you know, we don't know what's happening. It's just December. We were long into all of this and scary enough that they needed to go to the hospital and thought, I'm not going to wait. I can't wait. I want you to know. I want to know, you know, 17 there's years. Reason, there's a reason to get well. We're going to have yeah. a wedding. Be like, uh-huh. And I want you to plan it. <laughs> you can do the work here. Um Reminds me of that time that Tammy Wynette was on her deathbed and George Jones came into the room after they were divorced and he said, get your ass out of this bed. We ain't done yet. Two days later, she went home. That's <laughs> all she needed. You know, not in the frou-frou sense, but then doc doctors talk about a, you're at, a person's desire to live matters in yeah, of course. situations. And so... You know, th that connection between your brain and your body uh, is real. I, I think of that every time I don't feel like getting off the couch. I'm like, oh, no, if I don't ever get up, I'm like, <laughs> Emerson, we've got things to do. I just want you to know we have got to you got to get off that couch. We have things to do. Well, that's why we've done 97 of these shows. This show number 98 right here, because it get, makes me I didn't shave today, y'all. I did. What it, and that's crazy that I shaved and you didn't. Well, that's all right. Our Spotify and new iTunes listeners and Amazon Music, they can't see it, so it doesn't matter. They can't even tell. Have to imagine. Um, thank you all for joining us. We do appreciate it. We do this to share what we think is both serious and silly in LGBTQ news and nonsense during the week. And if you are enjoying it and sitting on a pile of money you don't know what to do with and you've given to the AAPI links we showed earlier in the show and still have some left over and want to share it with us, you can send us a tip on Venmo to at Emerson Collins or on PayPal to beardcollinshoresproductions at gmail.com. It's in the ticker below. It's not expected. It's not required, but we sure are grateful. 
Thank you already, just said earlier, Jigs and Erica, Michael Shane and Leanne, who have already contributed today. And Art Gregory, who was so generous last week after mm -hmm. the show. And Sissy, stop barking. We're doing a show. Um, all right. Is it me? It always is. Me, I love this story. All right. I love it when someone gets into a fight with the Vatican and Elton John has got, he's gotten in a snit with the Pope, calls out the hypocrisy of the Vatican statement saying priests can't bless same-sex unions. So he wrote on Instagram, Gracie. He did not write Gracie, just so you know. How can the Vatican refuse to bless gay marriages because they are a sin, yet happily made a profit from investing millions in Rocket Man, a film that celebrates my finding happiness from my marriage to David. Hashtag hypocrisy. The photo had side-by-sides of the Vatican headline with coverage from 2019 about the Vatican's investment in the biopic. Newsweek confirmed that the Vatican invested $1.2 million in Rocket Man in 2019, and the investment is tied to the Centurion Global Fund in Malta, two-thirds of which is funded by the Vatican's Secretariat of State Department. Some of the investment is from Peter's Pence, donations to the Vatican from individual members of the Catholic Church. And I was like, why didn't we think of going to the Vatican when we were raising money for a very sordid wedding? I think I mean, we'd have been right at the top of their donation list. I mean, 1.2, that's all it costs to make our movie. <laughs> I also love that it means somebody in the like finance group that controls the Vatican's money thought that Rocketman was a good enough investment that they were going to get a return on that. That's a lot of comp. Someone's just an Elton John super fan and you know they didn't know. Someone just said, oh, no, we got to do this. We got to do this. We got to do this. When are you going to come down? <laughs> as they're singing Yellow Brick Road as they wrote the check. That's like everybody's got principles till it's time to. <laughs> did you notice that I had them writing a check and sealing yeah. it and sending it in the mail? C.O. Elton John, forward this on to the Rocket Man people. Please let them know. Thank you. We are always looking forward to investments. I just like that it means I liked that movie. I'm glad they did too. I, I hope they too. I hope they made good money off it of that. Twice to watch it, but I, I did like it. <laughs> well, it wasn't anything. It was just that I got really stoned and I fell asleep. <laughs> they're like, they're like it was just a good soundtrack. It's having the radio on. Yes. <gasps> All right. I wanted to get back to our international roundup. So just some quick amuse-bouches from around the world. Poland, we talked a lot about the LGBT free zones there and the challenges our community faces there. Out French Minister of U European Affairs, Clement Bone, and I want to show you uh, him because I got the photos. See, this is if you're watching the show live, you get the visual aids. Mm -hmm. Little On a trip to Poland and was denied access to one of the LGBT free zones and vowed to draw attention to it. He said, it would be insulting to say I am leading that fight for myself because he's out. However, as European affairs minister, I have an additional responsibility. I must fight for tolerance. So seeing other leaders uh, also hold accountability and you know, he may not be just fighting for himself, but representation matters. And of course, I would think it contributes to why he would be passionate about it. Then in Taiwan, good news, 
After legalizing same-sex marriage in 2019, a high court has ruled that LGBT plus foreigners from countries where marriage equality is illegal will now be able to wed their same-sex partners in Taiwan. It's a step up. Originally, they needed to both be Taiwanese. Uh, if you were a citizen of another country, uh, you, you couldn't marry, and now they are expanding that to say that they can. And then our final bit from around the world, Russia has just selected their representative for Eurovision. Um, we've talked a lot about their ongoing and continuous crackdown on LGBTQ people, on what they call propaganda. Well, they've chosen Manisha Sangin, that's probably incorrect, but close, you can find her, as their representative. And she is a celebrated queer campaigner and modern feminist activist. They chose her on International Women's Day with a song called Russian Woman despite immense criticism from conservative politicians and government supporters for her unwavering support of our community. And we've talked about how it is dangerous there for our community and dangerous for allies who could run afoul of the propaganda laws. So she will be representing Russia as a huge feminist and ally of our community. And that's just awesome. And um, in, uh, in, in news here in the U.S., uh, one of my favorite cities is uh, where this comes from, uh, out gayer of Fort Lauderdale, Mayor Dean uh, Transtalis is being asked by the LGBT community to not sign a proclamation to honor the anniversary of Westminster Academy and Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church. Now, when I read this story today, I started, my mind started going two different ways on it. I'd like y'all to weigh in on it, what you think about it. Uh, they were founded, these churches, by uh, Dr. D. James Kennedy, a huge televangelist in the 80s and the 90s. His ministries are designated as anti-LGBTQ hate group by the Southern Poverty Law Center. He also wrote a book called What's Wrong with Same-Sex Marriage, linked homosexuality, as so many of them do, to pedophilia in a newsletter. And Coral Ridge also allegedly performed conversion therapy. Uh, he died, thankfully, in 2007. Now, Mayor Trantillis said, this was his statement, he says, times have changed and so have their leaders and every one of them has been eager to bring our communities together. It's time to build our future based on the love and not hate and it's time for those who still harbor resentment to let go of it. I know I have. But the advocacy, advocacy group, uh, Truth Wins Out, calls the decision outrageous, saying, Praising Coral Ridge with a proclamation is the equivalent of honoring the Proud Boys or the KKK. It shocks the mind and offends the senses to celebrate Coral Ridge prior to a heartfelt apology. It is to participate in gross historical revisionism. It is to erect a facade to whitewash their record. Now, I want to ask you, Emerson, because I started thinking about this and I was thinking about, you know, our former religion, the Southern Baptist and the, after the civil rights. Uh, it, but not until I believe it was the 90s did they apologize to the, the, the black community for being racist. They literally were. That, so that's why there is a Southern Baptist uh, rather than a Northern Baptist, because it was all about we don't want blacks. And they finally apologized. I am kind of with the advocacy group. I think there should be an apology before they give them this pro proclamation because they have a history of all of this hate against our community. 
Yeah. What does everybody else think? Because I, you know, y'all know I'm the compromised person. I think, I think actually it's good that both points are being made. I think the mayor is probably saying what a leader should say. I think it's, I, it, it gave echoes for me of what our president now, Biden, is trying to do, right? He wants to bring the country together. And that, and yet, obviously, rightfully, many people want Trump held accountable, want people from his administration accountability, you know, criminal charges against his family, if there's evidence to do that. I think the tension is good, right? I think the mayor's not totally wrong to want to heal a community. But what the advocacy, and I think the extreme nature of what they're saying is good, because it makes people realize you, there is no forgiveness if there is not an apology. And the fact that they said there hasn't been an apology and that they sued the Southern Poverty Law Center to get rid of the hate crime designation. You need to do the big apology uh, before you sue somebody. You like demonstrate that you're not hateful before you sue somebody uh, to stop saying that you are. And, and I don't know statistics. I really do, and I couldn't find them. Uh, well, we're, they're eager to bring our communities together, but have they performed same-sex marriages in their uh, congregation? I mean, where are they right now? I'm all for, you know, and we, I mean, we did a movie together, Emerson. We are for progress. We are to celebrate it. I really believe that. I get very pissed off when someone goes, well, Obama wasn't for, for marriage, yeah, but he got there. He got there. So did Hillary Clinton. And when people hold those grudges, just stop it. They did say they were wrong. You know, and, yeah. and did they say they were wrong? Or if they no, want, they haven't. They have not. Yeah. And well, look, Ken says Mayor Dean is a great guy and has always been a huge supporter. This came as a surprise. David said, definitely need an apology first. Erica asked, have they changed their philosophy? Oklahoma church at one point would not let LG people serve in their church. They have now changed. And then John said that particular type of Presbyterian didn't follow the United Presbyterian Church's doctrine if they were anti-LGBT. So uh, it's interesting because it was also the proclamation. First of all, like it's like those keys to the city, like it doesn't mean anything, but it puts the city behind the celebration. And the member of the council, I believe, who who, who brought it forward is a member of that church community in some capacity. Um, and I would say they're, the mayor's desire to heal is a positive thing, and I understand, but you don't want to, to go so far to, toward the people you want to break in that you upset the people that were wronged in the first place. Right. Um, and Ken said they will hardly be the first bigots to get one of our city's proclamations. And like, honestly, these things happen every day in every city across the country. Nobody notices except whatever person gets to say it was in Emerson Collins day in Tumbleweed, Texas. You know, if it happened to me, no one would know, but I'd sure frame it and put it on my wall. But worth I considering how your community feels. I found a I found a proclamation in my garage the other day from Palm Springs back from 2006. It was uh, Sorted Lives Day or something. <gasps> Sorted Lives Day. See, no, no one could object to that. No, not in Palm Springs. <laughs> but in the big forgiveness conversation, you know, forgiving is about like for you, but it's but turning the other cheek when somebody hadn't said they're going to stop slapping you isn't the best idea. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. Um, all right. This next uh, story is a long time coming. Uh, the House this week passed 
the Violence Against Women Act. I'm sure you have heard of it. It's an old piece of legislation. It was a 94 law, actually, to protect the victims of domestic abuse and sexual violence. It was renewed, re-upped in 2013, but it lapsed in 2018. So it passed the House this week, 244 to 172. And the piece specifically for us, the House passed an amendment introduced by Representatives Ayanna Presley and Marie Norman. Ayanna Presley, I'm sure you know, Marie Norman, remember, is the one that has the office across the hall from Marjorie Taylor Greene that has the trans kid. Um, and this amendment will create the first grant program specifically for supporting LGBTQ survivors of domestic violence, um, which is exciting to have it specifically earmarked for us. Presley said, the Violence Against Women Act is about saving lives and ensuring justice for survivors. Until now, Congress's efforts have overlooked the hurt and harm felt by LGBTQ plus survivors, especially trans women of color. Newman said, this new grant program is specifically designed to combat domestic violence against LGBTQ plus individuals through prevention, education, outreach, training to victim service organizations and other entities. They, you know, it's a, it's a real thing in our community, same sex partner, domestic violence, sexual assault, um, intimate partner violence, and having people trained to specifically deal with that is great and important. Now, the challenge will be, the reason also related to the reason it didn't get renewed in 2018 and will be an issue as the Senate takes this up, because in the House version, it expands the when someone can't buy a gun as a result of these to include misdemeanor convictions of domestic abuse or stalking. It would also close the boyfriend loophole to expand the definition of who is affected by existing gun prohibitions to include dating partners. And there are many conservatives, many uh, gun activists um, that any limitation of any kind on the Second Amendment and people's right to have and own a gun is a problem. And there are, are Republicans who have said this will be a problem in within the 172 who voted against it. Man, many were uh, specifically about the expansion of gun denial uh, to specific people in this. So the guns are more important than the people that they are stalking, yeah. assaulting, or doing violence against. That's just as clear cut as you can get it. Saying the guns are more important than the danger to these people. The right of someone to have a gun is more important than the danger to women. And it ties back to what we talked at the beginning of the show. Asian American women, over-sexualized, hyper-sexualized, um, the violence this white man went and committed against them because of a problem he perceived in himself. Violence against women happens in many forms, in many ways, in many relationships. And getting this back on the books is important to arming and funding uh, programs for that. I hope that we can get some gun control with this administration. I know it's going to be so hard with that 50-50 that split, uh, but... You know, you call them a gun. What'd you say? Gun supporting activists. I just call them gun loving assholes. It's those gun loving. I mean, they're just like they're, the justification is outrageous to me. What I read on social media and, and the need and, and, and want for certain, especially, you know, come on. Anyway, I. Onward. No, I, know. Um, I, I can't imagine if any hobby I had was putting people in danger that I couldn't just give up that hobby. I mean, it's, but, in, but I guess, you know, my hobbies are, you know, watching TV and reading a book. So I, I don't have a long list. Well, I just say, not related, but I said that to somebody the other day. I said, you know, 
I don't have any hobbies really anymore. You know, like when you fill out your Playboy centerfold profile, walks on the beach, you know, horseback riding. I don't have any hobbies anymore. Yeah, it was weird. The other day when I was uh, having my consultation with my my shoulder surgery doctor, he was going, what do you do for fun? I thought that was the most unusual question for like just, you know, an orthopedic surgeon to ask me. And I had to think for a second, what do I do for fun? Because everything I but but here's here's for me, what I do for fun is perceived by some as work. Uh, like this is fun for me. It could be perceived as work. It, it, writing with you, writing by myself, it, it's fun for me. But I do like my hikes. I like my spinning. Yeah, bike. you actually do. You hike. You love cooking recipe. You have you have cooking. That's right. I cook almost daily. Yeah. But like, you don't just like make me like you enjoy the like making oh. a new thing, finding a new oh. thing. Not you know most people cook because you got to eat, but you cooking is actually a hobby. I, yeah, I had Debbie Holiday over last night, and I made a vegan uh, enchilada casserole. Just made it up, and it was delicious. Rob just commented and reminded me. Rob said, Emerson, your hobbies are Speedos. That That's is true. Right. I have an unhealthy uh, problem with purchasing 5 to $6 Speedos. Yeah, you, also, back. you also have a lot of jock straps from what you've told. No, nah, right? but not, compared, not, not anywhere near compared to the swimsuits. I have two duffel bags full of Speedos, and they are divided into two categories, worn and unworn. And I sure have a bag full of unworn Speedos. And I still, when I, one of my comfort things is shopping for $5 Speedos on the AliExpress app. And they take so long because they ship from overseas that it's like two months later and I forgot I ordered it. And it's like, oh, a surprise in the mail. Oh, well, it's like, it's like that come and go t-shirt that I still haven't gotten. Yeah, um, they said it's been shipped though. I just want y'all to know it's been shipped. Y'all know y'all are thinking about it right now. All right. <laughs> We've got, uh, I'm going to wear the moment. I hope, I hope it comes before my surgery so I can put it, don it. I would don it on the show. All right. Well, uh, Tim, Tim Milkey lives in Helena, Montana, and his Trump supporting neighbor, Michael Challens, lives across the street. I love this story. After the election, Tim put a flag on his front porch that said Trump lost LOL. Uh, sounds like something I might do. Because- <laughs> anyway. He was he was tired of the whole neighborhood looking like it was for Trump. Security camera footage shared on Reddit shows Tim coming home one day and Michael screaming at him from across the street. Now, Michael says, where are you going to take your faggot ass flag down? And Tim answers. And, and I have to say so calmly when you take yours down. Fucking queer. You're in the wrong neighborhood. How about you go over to a fucking Biden neighborhood? Uh, Tim uh, responds. He says, of course, someone like you would say that. Uh, Oh, no. Tim tells him he's entitled to his opinion. That's what he said. He said, you're entitled to your opinion. And then Michael goes off again. He goes, of course, someone like you would say that. That's what all you fucking fags say. Then he called him a fucking uh, pussy. Um, he got a hundred dollar citation for loud, profane, and offensive language. Then, ironic or unironically, in a um, another interview, he had said, "This is my neighborhood. If you move in, you will have to look at my stuff. If you like it or not, it's my house. It's my property. They ain't censoring me." Oh, good lord! Y'all, you can find the video on Reddit, and it's fascinating to me because 
he is so upset at this other person's flag and then does a full sermon about how he gets to do and say what he wants. Like, you shouldn't have moved in here. This is our town. But the conversation really is, it is so close to caricature. The number of these stories we have done, this is the scene somebody writes and then you go, that's too much. No, like, actually yells at your real neighbor that aggressively, that, those, those direct insults. This man you see every day about a flag. And then, and then, and then, uh, the 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 uh, Tim uh, was just kind of opening his door, and then just kind of throwing back very calmly the responses. <laughs> it was it was such an interesting video. It was actually though the to the degree of intense and loud and belligerently aggressive. Where were I, Tim, and this were like evening, I would have I would be a little worried for mm. my safety. I mean. You know, you're supposed to be passive aggressive with neighbors. You know, oh, I see your trash cans are still out. Like, you're not supposed to be aggressive with neighbors. You're supposed to be passive aggressive. Oh, look, look, that your your lawn looks so healthy. It's grown real tall. You know, those kind of things. Because you have to see them again the next day. I know. It's And the things to fight about, uh, it reminded me many, many years ago, I worked on this uh, show for half a second or for a season called Martial Law. It's not one of my credits I, I cite very often. And I heard Ann Walker and David Steen to be these warring neighbors with these other people. And it was all over lawn ornaments or something. Uh-uh. <laughs> and they just scream. Can you imagine David Steen and Ann Walker married each other just screaming about these lawn ornaments? I mean, yes, I can. John said that's how he was treated for four years in Indiana. They told me I was in Trump country. No more I say now it's all Biden's country. Well, that's what I wanted I, when he said, you know, why don't you go to a, a, a Biden neighborhood? And I, want, I, I would like to say, oh, the whole country's a Biden neighborhood now, motherfucker. But yeah, so we wished him all the best of luck with that. But not, but not, uh, not Michael. Do not wish him any luck. Uh-uh. Of fun news, mobile, RuPaul's Drag Race is making a game for your phone. I will certainly be playing it. It's free to play. Coming later this year, it lets you participate in Drag Race, design looks for runway challenges, and fan favorite queens will be making limited time appearances. I just want Bianca Del Rio to be screaming at me out of my phone. Eastside Games, they got the rights for all Drag Race All-Stars and Untucked. Uh, so that's fun. I will definitely be playing that on my phone. No spoilers for anybody, but last night's Drag Race UK, big finish. There is lots more Drag Race coming this year. And and I don't watch UK, but I I was noticing on Twitter, or no, it was on Instagram today, uh, that there was some controversy over the winner. People were getting mad about... Well, first of all, nobody. it is a television show, but yes, there was. We're still too close to it. I don't want to talk about it in case anybody hadn't watched since it's on an app. I don't want to give any hints. I got you. I got you. I'll move on. I got it. Uh, and I don't. So okay. okay. Now wait. I I gave this to you. It's a gift. But you better deliver all these punchlines with the right pauses, because this is the best story we've had in a long time. This is, a, this is so stressful. But I do. This is like one of the ones I used to. I, I loved it. It was like what I used to read in my stand up. Uh, so earlier this week in Oldsmar, Florida, near Tampa, uh, police responded to a suspicious person call to find a 47 year old man lying on his back in front of a townhouse. He had on no pants, no underwear, and his penis was in one hand 
and a large uneaten pickle in his other hand. The cop added he was using the pickle to penetrate his rectum while he was masturbating. He was arrested for a misdemeanor exposure of sexual organs. Um, jail records note that he had a tattoo on one arm that said, only God can judge me. How'd that do? <laughs> so perfect. Like there is no joke, no 10 gallon pickle tub. Like there is no joke we can make that is better than the story. The smoking gun had it. Every point of that story. Like that, he was tickling that pickle to his, till his, the cows came home. You know, I want to know, was it warm? Was it, did he freeze it so it would have some heft? Was it, how big was the pickle? I know. I just felt like a cucumber was a better option because of the vinegar. I was worried about the stinging. I thought it might sting it. That is a good thought. I mean, that that is like, because you pull that pickle out of a pickle jar, that juice it burns. It's Miss Coco Peru. Well, what and what if it had been one of those pickles that he didn't realize it had a red pepper in it? And I and mean, also in front of a townhouse. Was it his townhouse? Was he walking down the street with that pickle and just thought, you know what? This very moment. Look, it's been a long pandemic. No, whatever tickles your pickle, wherever you pickle your tickle, you know, however you do what you do. But did where were the pants? Were they near him? Did he parade down the street like Winnie the Pooh in it, holding the pickle in his hand and then just go, you know what? I got to fuck it. There are a lot of unanswered questions, Emerson Collins, a lot of, we would have to fill in the blanks if we wrote this story. I just say, I would watch the shit out of this short film is all I'm saying. Like this man's day. I want to know the rest of the day. Is it, was it a gas station pickle? Did he bring it from home? Was it a sweet gherkin? (laughs) <laughs> i think we've got some alliteration though a pickle and a penis oh I yes uh, it's todd adds oldmar is a city of charm it's near tampa <laughs> it uh, and james in a few years someone hungry going through evidence gonna see a pickle maybe it started as a cucumber when it went in his butt and it came out as a pickle it's a yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna <laughs> He pickled it. Okay. How, how much time we have? I want to tell a really quick story. Please do. Okay. So one of my first acting jobs was on divorce court and I paid Bert and my parents were getting divorced. And I said, and they asked, did you ever see your dad hit your mom? And he said, yeah, I see mama. Uh, I see daddy uh, wang ma up the side of the head with a cast iron skillet full of hot bacon grease. I still can't eat bacon to this day without thinking about it. It just reminded me of that story. <laughs> I've got, I've got that on VHS. I have to get it on streaming so we could show my performance as Bert, the the son, mad at Dad. Yes, please do. As Dwayne just said, I relish that story. <laughs> but I'm just thinking, I'm never going to be able to eat pickles without thinking of that a pickle up that guy's rectum. I love that word too, rectum. It's uh-huh. just, it's it just, sounds like what you did to it. It's, well, I wrecked him. It's so official. It's so, it reminds me of Lorraine Shores who would say, now this is a rectal from a thermometer. Like, no, I don't want the rectal thermometer. Uh-huh, I know it. <laughs> oh, well, and I thought, uh, y'all, as we head into our weekend, one more time, if you want to send us a tip, you can do that on Venmo to at Emerson Collins or on PayPal 
to beardcolinshoresproductions at gmail.com. We are now available almost everywhere as a podcast. So look for us where you listen, subscribe, even if please don't stop tuning in with us live, those of you that do, but we're excited to welcome some more people into the family. It's a tough week for our AAPI community. Uh, wrap them in love and support and strength. Try not to make it about yourself. Uh, donate where you can. Um, how's your weekend looking? We know you got classes to teach. I have classes. Got Drag Race. I'm making a brisket tonight. Uh, Matt Hayes is coming over. We watch Drag Race together. So uh, tomorrow I'll see my daughter Rebecca, and we watch always watch a movie together. So I, and then on Sunday night. Beverly D'Angelo invited me over. She said, you have never seen Rosemary's Baby. We're watching it. So we're watching Rosemary's Baby. Oh, I love that. We I've are. It is, it is friend of the show, Justin Martindale's birthday tomorrow. And of course, he's in my still unvaccinated pandemic pod. So we're going to, to the trees, to the woods uh, for a little birthday hiking things. Well, I would tell Justin oh. happy birthday, but I know he's not watching. Uh, Leanne asked, a number of people have asked, so tell them, when is your surgery? My surgery is April the 1st. Thank you, Leanne, for asking. And um, it's coming up. It's less than two weeks away. So April 1st, April Fool's Day. I was about to say, you better let that, that nurse, the all those people say, look, we are not doing jokes today. None. It's not the day. None. Um, so here's the deal. I, 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 I feel like that I should at least do one rambling on Instagram really stoned out of my mind on whatever opiate they give me. What at the, like the moment you can hold your phone in your hand and unlock it, please make us a rambling on your Come over and hold the phone. I want to do a rambling. Uh, so with all the prayers, everybody's sending you lots of love. Thank you. I appreciate it. I, I, I'm going to be fine. I'm going to get through this. All right, y'all. That's all we got for today. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Um, and we will see you on Tuesday. Bye, y'all.